I got approached by a young dad, and he said, Pastor Jeff, I have a testimony. Do you have a minute? I said, sure. So we sat in the drizzle, and he told me that uh, on his way to church, uh, his 12-year-old son said, Dad, I know what Pastor Jeff is going to teach. And he said, oh, yeah, what? He said, Jesus. And um, sure enough, uh, he, they came in, and I, and I taught on Jesus, because that's my message on Sunday mornings, okay? So the dad, you know, so I'm trying to, I remember, how many of you were 12, you're going to be 12, or, or you're 12 now? Let me see your hands. It, it, 12's weird. In fact, I was reading in a men's book when I was preparing for the men's meeting, and the guy said that middle school is most like hell of anything on earth. It's, it's an awkward transition. And I'm going to talk to you. In fact, I'm dedicating this to this young man. But let me finish with the story. The, the young dad said that uh, routinely they have a special place in the Panhandle of Florida where they go on vacation. And they found a church there that's their vacation church when they go on those weekends. So they had just been here. They went down to the beach. And they went to service. They walked in. And guess what the pastor preached on? Jesus. And he used this exact same verses that I used. Hallelujah. So it told the 12-year-old and it told the dad and it told me that the Holy Spirit is speaking something in the earth right now uh, to remind the followers of Jesus why we're in this in the first place. It's not to bat down social ills. It's not to get all caught up in in, uh, other agendas or get politicized or get uh, marginalized or get um, uh, contentious. It's to keep our eyes on him. We are certainly the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And uh, we do have a responsibility to show forth his excellence and to show forth his praises and carry Jesus into our culture. One of the testimonies was of a, a man who owns an automotive shop and has for many, many years and, is, and has, has, been an imp- has had an impact on the community where he's planted. And uh, so... Uh, what God does to us, he wants to do through us. And as we, as we, as we understand who Jesus is, uh, what he came to do, he came to destroy the works of the devil, undo the, the sin problem by becoming sin for us. And, and, and then also, uh, it, it's important for us to learn essentially um, how unique he is and, and, and not only learn about him, but to cultivate connection with him. And, and so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you shine light on this message today and help us to think strategically, to be listeners, to honor you with teachability, to be inquisitive, and to, to be willing to apply these things in Jesus' name. Amen? So, let's go to Jesus at 12. My wife said to me, I told her this story, and she said, well, why don't you teach about Jesus as it relates to to a 12-year-old? And I said, I know what I can do. I remember reading something in the Bible about Jesus as a 12-year-old. And it's in in Luke's gospel, the second chapter. We're going to start with verse 40. Luke's gospel, this is the New American Standard if you have your Bible with you. Otherwise, we'll look at it on the screen. I'm going to teach you, by the way, about Jesus, and as I do, uh, it's going to foster faith for you to understand that as it went with him, so it goes with the church, a local church like ours, and then also you as an individual Jesus follower, 
and look at, and this is really what I want to talk to you about, increasing, uh, growing, uh, maturing, advancing. 2023 is a year of achievement, accomplishment, advancement, and fruitfulness. We're in a breakout moment as a people. Uh, Back in the 90s, a gentleman came and prophesied over our church, and he said this church, he's talking about this local church, he prophesied, would flower like a tree. And that we had an inkling of what we were called to do, but, but it, and we were messengers of light, but there, there's a greater work that they have to do. And, that, and, and, it, and it's now, we're now, we've been preparing and developing for that for 25 years or so, and now we're coming into a new season. We're moving into a new situation. Now, let, let's look at this verse here. So just, you understand, the first part of the, of the book of Luke, much of it is talking about Elizabeth and Zechariah with the birth of John the Baptist. Some is about Jesus and his birth, and then it, it sort of fast forwards from verse 40. He's a child, and he's just been uh, circumcised at the temple and dedicated at the temple. And it says, the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, the Greek word for, for increasing is Kratayuo, and it means to empower, to increase in vigor. This is referring to his growth process. And I looked at the nine stages of, of early child development, of growth actually, total growth all the way to adulthood. And it starts out with prenatal. You know, he told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's really prenatal. God knew you before you were formed. And then that formation in the womb. And then number two, infancy. Number three, toddler. Number four, early childhood. Five, middle child. Six, adolescence. Seven, early adulthood. Eight, middle adulthood. And then nine, uh, evergreen, as Steve said, uh, late adulthood. And I like what he said about when you planted in the garden, in the house of the Lord, and you're plugged into church, you'll flourish like a palm tree. And, uh, And one verse says, that you'll be full of sap and very green. I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, you're full of sap. <laughs> I just talked, I just, and I'll, I'll let her be anonymous, but I just talked to a sister who's having a significant birthday that ends with a zero, and I'll tell you, that's an achievement. It took something for her to get to this stage and this season, and she's in a, she's in a new uh, decade and it's going to be marked and full of, of abundance, of breakthrough. Uh, this is the God we serve. Jesus came to give abundant life. Uh, living things grow. We don't have to try to stimulate growth artificially. Uh, what we need to do is eliminate growth inhibitors. That's why I stay repentant. Man, I stay, I, you know, I, I, I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. I, I, you know, I judge myself because I want to get rid of the weeds out of my life. Because I know God wants me to grow. Ephesians chapter 4, he said, we're to grow up in all aspects in him. Look at somebody next to you and say, oh, grow up. See, you got back at the one that said you're full of sap. I love this church. Is this okay? Look at somebody next to you and say, you have beady eyes. Uh, See, none of you want to do that. Don't look for the door yet. I'm not done. This is going to be good. You've had an hour of sleep. I have too. This is why I feel like I'm jet lagged. Now, listen to verse 41. Let's read from verse 41 to verse 52, all right? Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. This speaks to me of godly parents' consistency. 
Mary and Joseph were faithful to the call that was on their Jewish life and their love for their Lord. And they were consistent with the things God called them to be consistent with. And they went up faithfully. You could set their, your, your, your sundial to their faithfulness. Every year, they went up to the Feast of Passover. And then when, it, when he became 12, everybody say Jesus at 12. They went up there and, uh, according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, see, they didn't just abbreviate it, look at their watch and run out. They stayed and through and had the whole experience, the entire period. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. Now, this is really not negligence. This is a reflection of just how stable and security-oriented these people, this people group was. These people had each other's backs. These, these, these were folks that watched out for one another. And, uh, it's, but it supposed him to be in the care, they supposed him to be in the caravan. They, so they made an assumption. They had so much comfort about their acquaintances and their family that, that, that he'd be taken care of. And they went a day's journey and they began looking for him among the relatives and acquaintances. This reminds me of my friend Ernie Conwell, who went on to become the uh, Super Bowl champion Ram uh, player. And he was raised in a large family up in the Pacific Northwest in Washington, state of Washington. The family was on a road trip, and uh, they went to a gas station to use the restroom and get the gas tank filled and get some snacks. And uh, he came out, and the van was gone. This was before the advent of cell phones or car phones. So he stood there for some, I don't remember, I think it was about five hours or something, four to five hours. And uh, I'm thinking of him because his son Grace is being married today in Nashville. Daughter Grace, I'm sorry, daughter Grace, I'll get it all right. But he's the son, he was the son that was left behind. So this kind of reminds me of that. And they came back and said, hey, okay, come on. And he got him. And, um, and that's what these guys are trying to do. So here's the scenery. Here's Jesus. He remains. And um, they look for him. They go back a day's journey. So they're looking for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, uh, both listening to them and asking them questions. So they walked in, and there's Jesus. And you can see depictions of this in paintings and in recent films. Here's this 12-year-old, and uh, he's honoring the rabbis. He's in the, he's in the temple, and he's leaning into the things of God, and listening to them and asking them questions. He's inquisitive. He's honoring. He's teachable. He's learning. Verse 47, and all who heard him, were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So this young man was developing from childhood to early adulthood to adolescence, but he was also spiritually developing, as we'll see in verse 52. And um, when they, they saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. So, an, you know, an understandable mother's upset, right? 
It's like, where have you been? What were you doing? Uh, and, and he said to them, why is it that you're, you're, you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? And, and the King James said, I must be about my father's business. And this is a statement of the uniqueness of Jesus. He's the son of man. He's, he's, he's the, the, the son of Mary. But he's also the son of God. And, he, and, and, and this is this, this paradoxical moment where he's now voicing, you know, she's looking for her kid. Where have you been? He said, didn't you know? Why are you looking for me? And he's in this moment juxtaposed in this son of man, son of God uniqueness. And he's there in the temple and he's developing his, his growth and his understanding of the law of Moses and of the prophets and of the, the, the scenario that he's birthed in and the purposes for which he's been set apart. Who's ever heard of a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah? It's, 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 we, we have a large Jewish community in St. Louis and, and we all know somebody that's been bat or bar mitzvah. And, and what this is, is it's a coming of age ritual in Judaism. In fact, the Pastor Jim Bennett and, and the, the folks from Sher Emeth, when they bring their confirmation class to us, they're in that age bracket. And the Jewish viewpoint is they're transitioning from childhood into young adulthood from uh, into through what uh, you would call an age of accountability uh, where they're transitioning into a, uh, a growth and a maturity. So listen, it, it, it's according to the Jewish law before children reach a certain age, the parents are responsible for their children's actions. Once Jewish tr- children reach that age, they are said to be to become B'nai Mitzvah, uh, at which time, at which point, they begin to be held accountable for their own actions. Traditionally, the father of a, of a bar or bat mitzvah offers thanks to God that he is no longer punished for his ch- child's sins. So that's why they have the party, because the parents are off the hook. But we see Jesus being dedicated in the temple. And then it fast forwards to 12. He goes from infancy to 12. We don't see a whole lot. Uh, there's not a lot we see there about his childhood. But we do see a glimpse, a snapshot in his infancy, but then a snapshot in his, his uh, prenatal, uh, a, a, a snapshot in his infancy, and then a snapshot into his uh, 12. And I thought about this young man in church. Yeah, I know he's going to teach on Jesus. Yes, I am. And then you're going to go on vacation and go to your vacation church in Florida, and the Florida pastor is going to get up, and he is going to preach the same outline with the same scriptures, brother. Because God is wanting us in a world where South Europe has a, a war, where now the Middle East has a war, where we're in an election year, where there's massive mudslinging, where there's hostility, uh, strife, uh, pressure, uh, the waves and waves of influence peddling to seduce our brains into all kinds of directions. And God wants us to be single-minded. I had a text from a pastor who's been a pastor longer than I have, and he talked about when you're, you're, you're single-minded, you can expect breakthrough and abundance and blessing in your life. When you're double-minded, there's instability, and in fact, that's scriptural in James chapter 1. A double-minded man, woman, or child 
Uh, let not, not them expect they'll receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his or her ways. So my goal in preaching about Jesus, even the Jesus there at 12, is to bring uh, marked stability and single-mindedness and repurposing of all of our hearts. Because look, I get distracted. I'm a creative type of guy. I studied, I was an art major in college. I was not an engineer type. Uh, So I'm a right brain guy. I think in all kinds of variables. And my, you don't even want to get up in my headspace. You know, I I had a minister listen to me preach and he walked up to me. He's from another country. He said, are you autistic? And I said, excuse me? And he said, are, are, you, are you autistic? And I said, and I, I looked around and he said, are you an autist? And I said, oh, well, well yeah. And he goes, I, I thought so. I, I just am fascinated by how you think. Because he heard the way I preached. You know, and I preached kaleidoscopic while he preached linear. He was more, he was more of a, a, a logic type oriented teacher. And, I, and as I've matured, I've appreciated... Uh, those kinds of uh, the various trains of thought, and, and, and I'm I'm just I'm just hungry to listen and learn, you know, and catch what I could catch. We're all responsible, each one of us, for our own inspiration. We we are responsible to get in there and seize the day and trust God for it, right? And reach in and receive it. I'll tell you this: Look, when you come to church, reach for and draw from the anointing. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And I'm telling you, when you and I or we do what Jesus did when he was 12, he, he was listening and asking questions. He drew things out of those rabbis. He drew things out of the house so that when the parents came, they, were ama- they said, we're amazed at, 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 the, at the, the knowledge and the wisdom on this young man. And, and Jesus said, you know, I had to be in my father's house about my father's business. And guys, today, like never before, we need to be focused We don't need to be in a bubble. We don't need to be in some sort of retreat mode. I'm not teaching any of that. We don't need to be isolationist and get all, let's get all nervous and pull away. No, we've got to be strengthened in the house, strengthened in our personal walk, so we can go out and better serve the kingdom and better flow in what God has called us to flow in. As it is with Jesus, so it is with the church. As it is with the head, so it is with the body. He's the firstborn of many brethren. And when he raises us up out of the pit and he redeems us and he washes us and renews us with living water and then he fills us with the Holy Spirit, then he, he, he proliferates gifts through each one of us. Oh, the devil hates this. He's fighting like crazy because he sees his end is closer than ever. And the church, everybody say the church. The body of Jesus followers, God is raising up in this hour And two things about the church. He said, when I return, will I find faith in the earth? We've got to be emphasizing things that will produce faith, which is confidence in God, trust in his abilities, the the integrity of his character, and and, and then the way he set it up for us to believe and receive when we pray and standing on the word, right? I believe, say this with me, I believe I receive when I pray. We speak to our mountains. We trust God. That's why yesterday at the men's breakfast, I allowed for all these various testimonies. They were, I mean, a house fire, a heart condition, a blood clot. I mean, it, it, it just, it, there's so many, such, 
It was, and I just stood at, at attention to the amazingness of our God who is at work, who cares about each case and cares about each one. You, you guys, can I just remind you? He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows you're down sitting and you're uprising and that he will perfect that which concerns you. Come on, man. The devil's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the one that vexes us. He's the father of lies. And he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Only kind of, that's his thing. He's a diminishing being. He's evil. You don't want him. He's a hater. You don't want him around. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You don't want him around. That's why I'm repentant. I'm quick to repent, quick to ask forgiveness, quick to forgive. I, I don't want to give any door to the devil. Right? And I want to keep understanding how Jesus went about doing things. Because he did all things well. And, in fact, when Peter later preached about him, he said, and Luke recorded it in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I love how it starts out. He said, you know, you know Jesus of Nazareth? Well, he was preaching. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. You know of Jesus of Nazareth? See, 12-year-old, you know, apparently the Lord wanted you in family church and then on your vacation church to get a bump up on familiarizing yourself with who he is, what he does, what he's doing, and who you are in him. Oh, listen, St. Louis Family Church, who had an extra hour of sleep, looked bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, full of sap and very green. Your leaves don't wither. You just all look like you got a facelift. Y'all look, y'all look 10 years younger, including you 10-year-olds. You look like babies now. The Lord is saying something today about himself. The Bible says, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Paul said, oh, that I might know him. I heard a story about a lady who led her pastor to the Lord. She was from a religious church that didn't have in its its, uh, liturgical format the new birth. They, they had concepts about it, but they didn't have that experience of a new birth. So a man spent years and years in the clergy, and then this woman had gotten saved, I think from somebody at work, led her to the Lord. So she went to her pastor and lovingly said, I had this happen to me. I feel so different. Has this ever happened to you? He said, no, I, I know. She said, do you know Jesus? Well, I know about Jesus, like Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. He's a person of history. And she said, I actually had this experience. You mean I could actually know him? And she led him to the Lord. This was years ago. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? That happened to John Wesley. John Wesley had enough gumption to at least know he should go on missions and communicate the gospel of Jesus, even though he had not been saved. And he, he, true story, he went from England to America and preached amongst the colonies. And on his way back, he had an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit. In that an Anabaptist woman, this is a group that did believe in the new birth. She was dying. She felt like she was dying on on the trip back home and asked the clergyman to administer communion to her. So Wesley had the collar and he had the elements. So he came and he knelt down and he ministered to this woman who was writhing and suffering. She received communion and within 45 minutes she was up on her feet praising God and totally healed. This so radically changed uh, the Anglican... Uh, vicar that had yet not been born again, that he uh, got born again. 
And I found this in northern Wales at a bookstore. I found books that had just been printed just right after his death. And in 1795, they had leather covers and marbling, and they were absolutely amazing. I got them for 40 pounds, and when the guy sold them to me, he was resentful. He said, these should be in a museum, and they should cost 10 times more. When I came home, I gave them to the head of our Bible school, and he treasured them. He, they're still in, Pastor John saw them, still in his untouched uh, bookshelf right up on the top. Right when I, when I gave them, I remember giving them to him. And he read them. The S's were F's, and it was all old English, Elizabethan-type English. John Wesley got saved. In the Jesus movement, this was happening. Religious formalism was giving way to the new birth. It's happening again. And that's why we and the 12-year-old and his dad and the church in Florida and here are getting focused on Jesus. Look what it says again in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. You know of Jesus of Nazareth. Say this with me. I know of Jesus of Nazareth. How God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. Look what he did. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. There is so much sound theology in, in, the, in the, every sentence of this chapter, of this verse. This verse could save you from a lot of confusion. It shows that sickness in its origin is from the devil, not from God. It shows that Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit to heal because he never changes. That's available today. The devil is evil and is still the diminishing being who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we're not letting him take that uh, advantage of us by ne- being negligent and, and allowing for false teaching. We have to get good teaching uh, as our standard so we can move forward as a people. And it's important and, in fact, imperative that we fall in love with Jesus. I went outside the other night and I said, Jesus, I've been busy, you know that, and uh, I love you, and I want to sow toward my personal uh, affection with you. I, we called a friend in another country, and uh, her husband was on a mission trip, her daughter and son-in-law were on a mission trip, Others, a daughter and son-in-law live in another country, she was there alone, so she was getting in a car to get on a ferry to go to an island to go alone and seek the Lord. And she's been serving God as long as we have. We've known each other since the 70s. But she needed to carve out a moment. She had a moment. And what did she do? She used it to reinforce and nourish her personal relationship with Jesus. They'll remain anonymous, but a guy told me, I'm going to take my wife on a date tonight or tomorrow night. And I, he said, it's been a while. We've been busy. We've had, and I know a little bit of their circumstances. So it's like you just have to carve out that moment so that it's, it, 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 it goes back to central. And I like what my kids noticed. Um, Dad just wants mom to himself. You know that our God jealously desires the spirit that is in us? Now, that sounds scary because jealousy, we know, is, a, is a, most, in most cases a bad thing. But what it's really saying concerning God is it's so he loves your exclusivity of heart. I want our church as a church to be a Jesus church. A word, Bible, Jesus church that walks in love and acts accordingly and we, we live it legitimately and, we're, and that's sustainable. That, can, that, has, that has the hope of longevity, right? 
So Jesus increased. And as it goes with the head, so it goes with us. And prophetically, God spoke to our church that this was to be a year of achievement, accomplishment, advancement, and fruitfulness. Say it. Achievement, accomplishment, advancement, and fruitfulness. Oh, hallelujah. What verse was I stopped at in in Luke chapter 2? And he said to them, why is it that you're looking for me? Didn't you not know that I had to be all about my father's stuff? Verse 50. But they did not understand that statement which had, that had, he had made to them. It's because they, that which is, they, they were knowing Jesus after the flesh at this point. And we're getting a glimpse of the Son of God at this point. And so he went down and, with them and came to Nazareth. And look at this. He continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Now look at verse 52. We're almost finished. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. As it goes with the head of the church, so it goes with the church. And as it goes with the church, so it goes with each individual member of the church. God is interested in your welfare He's interested in your advancement. He's interested in your growth. He's interested in your achievements. He's interested in the visions and dreams he's embedded in your spirit. He's interested in you thriving in the dark moments that we're living in right now. And as you get a hold of this, you and I and we will by no means be eclipsed by the darkness. Because Jesus, the light of the world, has penetrated your darkness when you were born again, and he's eradicated the sin condition. Even darkness becomes light in the Lord. You, therefore, are children of the day, children of light. Therefore, walk in the light as he is in the light. And, 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 and if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We keep the reset button pushed, pushed, pushed to keep a holy, hallelujah, right attitude toward the things of God and toward the things of the world we're in. Keep pushing that reset button. Keep believing God. I just pushed the reset button over. It made him happy. I believe in God for signs, wonders, and miracles to follow you. You are about to be deployed into new dimensions of opportunity. Doors are about to open. They're swinging open. Hearts that have previously been closed and adamantly cynical are now going to see the light of the gospel of Jesus and glimpses and their hearts are going to be arrested and convicted and they're going to be, and in a moment, they're going to come to know the Lord. Whole households shall be saved. So we see Jesus at 12 in the stages of his growth. We see the early church in Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 and 47. Phenomenal commitment, the results of their continually praising God and having favor with all the people. Uh, Look back at that verse. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So they, they, were, they were excelling. They were advancing. They were improving. My wife gave me this verse, Acts chapter 9, verse 31. This was a great moment in early church history. 
And it, it, it is, I believe, parallel to our moment right now. So the church, throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, enjoyed peace, being built up, and going on in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and it continued to increase. Do a word study on the word increase. There are three words for it in Greek. The first one in chapter four, uh, Luke 2.40 was about Jesus in his natural growth process. In 52, it was about spiritual flourishing. He's coming forth as the Son of God. And, and the other one is, is this one in Acts uh, 9 where it's uh, the, the Greek word plethuno and it means to abound. I believe in abundant life. I believe in victory. I'm unashamed and I'm not apologetic one bit. I believe in the resurrection power of Jesus. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe in a harvest amongst the lost in these end times. I believe in a revival in the church. My son was singing that song, Revive Us, and it was, it was written by a man in Ireland. When I was a young Christian, there was so much petty conflict between Protestants and Catholics in Ireland. and They were blowing each other up. It was terrible, and God brought healing. I visited my brother in, in eastern Germany on the border. We watched the Berlin Wall come down. We were there within hours after it just the, the announcement, bring down this wall, and it started. We watched the Iron Curtain open up for the gospel to penetrate previously bound uh, regions. We got to walk through the doors into the ethnic Albanians in the 1990s. We got the privilege of ministering to Hindus and Buddhists in Sri Lanka during and after that terrible tsunami. God will open a door. God will express his favor. Psalm 5 verse 12, the Lord will bless the righteous man. He'll surround you with favor as with a shield. Favor to accomplish things beyond your skill. Favor to achieve things beyond your power. Favor to realize answers that you didn't even know how to ask the questions about. Favor to see the accomplishments of heaven accomplished in our lifetime. That our generation will declare the glory of God. Pastor Jim Armstrong in Virginia were dear to me. I met him when I was in college. He was the Anglican vicar of my ceramics teacher, Bob Allen. And Bob Allen, they, were, they did uh, infant baptism in that, in that group, and so I, they invited me to go. So I was there, and I met Pastor Jim. He was in his 50s. I met him in 1975 or 6. And uh, bond, we bonded. We bonded. And uh, he, he worked for me into his 90s. And he was a righteous man. He talked to me about what he saw. He went to seminary at Eden there in, uh, what is it, Webster Groves? Or yeah. he, he, I think, had a kind of a liberal training. I'm not certain. But somewhere along the line, he had a real encounter the resurrected, new birth, whopper, seismic, Holy Spirit, new birth, and got born again. He tried to give me five acres on Manchester Road, but it wasn't the Lord's will. We, every time he and I would have breakfast, I would announce that my wife was pregnant. He said, man, you're just having a lot of babies. It was twice, you know. Two, 
It was Kingston and it was Addison, but it was at the time when we birthed this church. Addison is uh, parallel to the birth of this church. Kingston is parallel to the birth of Sunday services and coming into this building. Taylor's parallel to the development of our serving in another under another leader. And Chelsea was the first of our children and birthed during preparation in Bible school. The first place my wife felt her leap and, and, and kick in the womb was in a, in a service with a, with a magnificent preacher. So I'm tracking. Hope you indulge just with me for a minute. And um, we're coming into the order of things before God. And his, and his plans, he's organizing things around this end time move. And what he's doing is he's lovingly raising each of us up in preparation and maturity and stability, that we're single-minded, that it's all about Jesus. My main, you want to know my main goal of success in life is my personal flow with Jesus. And by marriage, it's not whether we had a new sofa or not, you know, it's her. My kids are right. I do want her to myself. Uh, not in a possessive sense or controlling sense, but that's what we got into our relationship for in the first place. Why did I get saved? It's because Jesus endeared himself to me, and I love him. Real men love Jesus. Real women love Jesus. Real babies love Jesus. Hallelujah. That's a spirit-filled baby over there. Let's lift up our hands kind of like this. I was with Pastor Jack Hayford. He said, hold your hands up like you're receiving. Say this with me. Father, I believe I receive when I pray. Lord Jesus, I want you to be 100% in my life. Central. King of kings. Lord of lords. My personal savior my Lord and my best friend who sticks closer than a brother. Lord Jesus, help me to walk with you for the rest of my life and never backslide, to never bring reproach to you. Deliver me from temptation and the tempter. Forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. I bear no ill will I refuse to be bitter, not getting grumpy, not going to be moody, won't be a jerk any longer. In Jesus' name, amen.